As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd. And each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. No amount of money or no amount of no money will stop you doing what you believe in. And that's really driven, it's really driven the foundations. Now that recreational use is not an ancestral use of the fungus, of the mushroom. You don't go out to party on mushrooms. You go to the mushrooms if you have a problem you need to solve. Health problem, spiritual problem, psychological problem, family problem. What these medicines do is that they really evidence in feeling and sometimes in vision that you are part of a greater one. And that is extremely potent extremely potent. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today on the show is Juliana Fursey. Who is Juliana Fursey? Well, she is a Harvard professor. And what is her subject matter? Fungi. Fungi. I said it. Fungi. Why am I having a Harvard professor who has a specialty in fungi? Because it's fascinating. I listened to her on a Tim Ferriss podcast. I was absolutely blown away. Listen, I'm here living in Italy right now. The wine I drink, the pasta I eat, the cypress trees that I see in Tuscany, none of them would exist without fungi, and if you look out your window, nothing would exist in your world without it. There's all sorts of 
new research that's being done to help people with things like psilocybin. And this was a fascinating conversation. So I ask you to give this a shot. I know it's a little bit different than the normal type of content that I produce, but um, this episode was fascinating. So please enjoy this wide-ranging conversation with Juliana Fursey. Juliana, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Well, how does a girl stumble into the world of fungi? And we're going to get into Don't answer that just yet. We're going to get there. But that was rhetorical right now. I think that what I'd like to do, since I'm doing this interview from Italy, I think it makes sense to sort of start your story a little bit from that point. You were born in the UK from a Chilean mother and an Italian father. So my low-hanging fruit question is, do you feel more Chilean or do you feel more Italian? I feel more Italian. You feel more Italian. Yeah. And, and why is that? Because I am a very passionate, loud, <laughs> feeling um, person that is, I think, I think I'm very much like my grandmother who mm. was from Calabria. Yeah. Calabria. All you, all you Calabrese's do the mambo like a crazy, right? Yeah, <laughs> for sure. You know, my, my surname is Murgatroyd. As you know, my, we believe my dad's family was from, uh, Wales or England somewhere in there. Um, but my mother is Cecilia DeVito. So it's always very con from Naples and it's always very confusing for people where they're like, how are you Italian? You have the, the worst last name in the world. So it, in Italy, when I'm walking around and people ask me my name, they're like, are you, are you, you Italian? I'm like, yeah. And I say, Cecilia DeVito. They go, oh, okay. All of a sudden it's, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm cool now. Right. Cugino. Yeah, say. yeah. Cugino. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. It's exactly right. All right. So I want to talk about your mom. Um, she, is she still alive? Yes. Okay. So she is a geographer mm -hmm. and an economist, but she was, and not, but, and she was persecuted under the regime after a coup in Chile because she simply thought differently than everybody else. Can you give us a little color there? Because I think this is important to understand your story. Sure. My mother at that time, she was already a mother. My elder brother was already born. Um, she was finishing her second career at university when the government of Salvador Allende was in place and there was space, you know, for, for thinking and, and really moving towards a, a socialism that would um, secure, made public, you know, public schooling, public health, some public goods. That was very quickly overthrown with a modest $4 million given by the U.S. government under Kissinger, who for some strange reason even has the Nobel Peace Prize, but that's just a whole other story. It's a but whole other it thing. It only cost, yeah, it cost him $4 million um, paid to a, a general in the Chilean army to overthrow Allende's government. And that was a very, very um, bloody and cruel overthrow of power. 
where there many people were killed, some were made to disappear, and many put in uh, prisoners, political prisoners, with subsequent torture, even for years. Yeah. So she was one of those people who was persecuted for being a student, basically, and being a member of the Socialist Party here, just a militant. My mother's never been an armed person at all. You know, she's a non-violent thinker. And she was uh, incarcerated for a whole year, you know, with her son having to live uh, outside. Yeah. You know, we are, we're living in a world of COVID now and people feel incredibly oppressed and they feel like the world is coming to an end. And I wonder from your mom's perspective, she must be looking and going like, are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) Are you like, like, are you kidding me? Really? A a mask? A mask is your problem? Yeah, she was. It's it's, it's funny you say that. You know, when the pandemic hit and the lockdown hit, I remember she she calls me and she said, look, I'm going around to your house and I'm taking you the essentials. I was like, oh, you know, she knocks on the door. She had like a case of wine and a bottle of gin. Here are the essentials for lockdown, you know. And then subsequently she was like, I'm not not staying indoors. I'm going to go to the supermarket. They could, you know, I'm wearing my mask. I'm wearing my gel, but I'm not going to be locked in here under curfew because, you know, because voluntarily. And she just really, she really has taken care. You know, she's, None of us have ever been infected, but she has. She's not been willing to uh, inform her every move uh, or to not be able to go and have a walk around the block. You know, mm-hmm. she will go out and have a walk in the park. Yeah, so she she takes it with a pinch of reason, without risking anybody or risking herself. She will not be locked and incarcerated in her own home for a lockdown. No. You know, we're we're all a product of our parents in some way, shape, or form, right? In what ways do you feel that your mom's story has influenced your behavior? In other words, are you starting to see yourself going like, "Oh God, I got I know I got that from my mother." Like, is there <laughs> is there any of that stuff starting to happen? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's one very clear one, and it's that no amount of money or no amount of no money will stop you doing what you believe in. Ooh. And that's really driven. That's really driven the foundation. So the foundation oh, hold on, has, hold on, hold on. I'm going to say that again. Yeah. No amount of money or no amount of no money is going to stop you from doing what you really want to be doing. Damn, we could stop now. That is good. Forget <laughs> fungi. Damn. It's forget it's forget money and just if fungi are the way, then you do it. Even if there's no money, if you believe this is what you have to do and what the world needs, even if you have to go out on a limb and you have to maybe do something else to earn money, don't stop doing what you believe in. And that's well, really I, what's happened. Yeah. I'll tell you what this tells me. This tells me that with that as a filter or as a lens in which mm. to march forward in your life you have to prioritize what is important to you. The impulse that you're getting, you got an impulse that you want to go down a path of fungi, which we're going to get into. But you have to first listen to that impulse and say, I really, really want this as opposed to, I'm just, you know, I'm just going to do it because, you know, whatever. So I love that. It's a little twist on that. That's cool. Yeah. Let's talk or about your dad. Maybe there's, there's an impulse, sir. Maybe there's an impulse and you say, oh, but there's no money in it. I'm not going to do it. 
no, 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 no. no. Mm. Right? That's the that that's where I'm trying to go. That I've learned from her. Even Love if there's that. no money in there, you really believe in it. There's the impulse. You do it. I thought of you last night when I paid a, a bunch of money for uh, truffle pasta uh, here. <laughs> so uh, there, there definitely is money in it. Let's talk about your dad. He was a student in Rome, um, not too far from where I am right now, as you've mentioned, from a small Calabrian village. Can you tell me the story of how they met each other? Yeah, my father was doing his military service in Rome. He was a young young man. And it was right at the same time that the Chilean refugees were arriving and being received by the Italian government, um, fleeing persecution here. And they met during activities organized by an Italian newspaper called Lunita to receive these Chilean refugees. So yeah, he had met my my an aunt of mine before, and then he met my mother and the rest is history. Yeah. Are they still married? No, they're not still married. Not. They were married. No, they were married for a very... They, actually, they never got married, to be honest, oh. um, legally. But they, they were together for um, maybe about nine years or a bit mm-hmm. less. Uh, but my father is a, an ever-present father, has always been an extremely present father. And yeah. where is he living now? He's at the moment, he's in Calabria, although his formal residence is in um, Rio de Janeiro in Brazil, but because of the pandemic and how hard things have been in Brazil, he went to Italy um, just to escape the crisis there. Yeah. Very interesting. And from him, you get the fire. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, a, like a Calabrian pepper. Oh, man. Uh-huh. Yeah. All right. Now, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get into what everybody's been waiting for. What is fungi and why, for the love of God, did you decide that you're going to study fungi? What, what, are, what is it? What are they? They're what, the coolest organisms on earth. I They're mean, the basis of everything. Apparently they are. I mean, you know, you made a life around it. So first, if you could just give us a basic definition, we don't have to get crazy, mm-hmm. and then why... Did you decide yeah. to devote the amount of time, energy, and effort into that world? So fungi are not plants. Fungi are not animals. Fungi are not bacteria. Fungi are not a virus. Fungi are fungi. They're organisms that can form a kingdom of their own. In that kingdom are the yeast, molds, lichens, mushrooms, conks. What would happen without them? Nothing would recycle, nothing would decompose, energy would not flow. No plant could live out of water without them because they are the symbionts that allow plants to live on earth, animals to digest plants. And most importantly for anybody in Italy, like you are, without yeast, there would be no wine, no beer, no chocolate, no soy sauce, no bread, none of those cheeses. Yeast are all fungi and they are the reason that we can live um, and preserve our food, transform our food, and stay healthy. Okay. Why did I get into this? Well, before you... (laughs) You just answered it with all those reasons, so I don't really need to... (laughs) We don't need to drill down because my head is exploding right now, not realizing that all of those things were associated. And I love the way you described it because you described it where if we didn't have it, 
Yeah. Like, why is oxygen so important? Well, let's try it without it. Right. Why is gravity that's so true. important? Let's try not have, you know what I mean? So I, that's a great way that you just pulled it. So I love that. Yeah. There had to be a moment in your life where you were like, I think I am going to start studying this stuff. Take me back to like that moment where you went, I'm in. Was it like, I'm all in and you were a freight train or was it over time? All in and a freight train. And it was an instant. It wasn't a decision. Um, it was an encounter with a fungus that I wanted to, a mushroom. I wanted to know who it was. There was no way to find out. There were no books. I was like, I'm doing this. And from then on, I've, I've tried to stop, you know, and that's, um, the, the, the fire is just does not go out. It's fueled, you know, by, by everything. Maybe it's fueled by every yeast I ingest, which actually, you know, talking about wine and beer isn't that, isn't not very few of them, but, um, it's, it's a vocation. It's the only way to explain it is that they choose you. You don't choose them. There's, I have honestly tried to do other things in my early career because of the impossibility or the apparent impossibility to go anywhere, you know, 20 years ago with this fire and just certainty that nobody else was seeing except for Paul Stamets. So when you go to a cocktail party and somebody says, what do you do? What do you say? I'm a mycologist and I work for the fungi. I'm a my and is it fungi or jai? So you can say fungi, fungi, or fungi. You're a fungi, for example, right? <laughs> okay. um, in England, they say fungi. In the US, fungi or fungi. You can. They're all correct. They're and, all in, correct. and in Italy, buffungal. So I got it. Okay, <laughs> perfect. So there was something called the Santa Claus mushroom. Mm-hmm. What is that? It's the same mushroom as the Smurf mushroom. What's the Smurf mushroom? So it's a species called Amanita muscaria. It's red with white dots. It's you know it, it, it's firstly known as Soma, the uh, the in Indian deity, one of the oldest deities in in Hinduism is God Soma. And it's a species that's also the oldest hallucinogen known to humankind. And used in, it's a species that grows very tightly related to pines and to birch trees in the Northern Hemisphere. And used as a hallucinogen by um, First Nations in Northern America, in Siberia, and in Scandinavia. So the story of St. Nicholas with that fungus is the reason why everything is red and white with him. Uh, the reason why he is associated with reindeer, for example, because reindeer eat these. And sometimes the, 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 um, the reindeer was part of the ceremony to be able to, um, to worship using this fungus, this mushroom. Are there two of you in the world? In other words, is there somebody that is as passionate about this as you are? Oh, there are many of us. Um, to be honest, there are many of us. But I think that most of us all have not had, you know, a mother like mine who says, even if there's no money in it, go for it. And I think that's what's made my career different from others is the fact that I've been doing this, even though there was nothing in it for me or my you know, my uh, immediate monetary well-being. Yeah. Okay. 
Now let's step into the world of, I just moved to Italy from Los Angeles. And I think if I have 10 friends, eight of them have been on some psilocybin journey. Um, And I, I, I think I'm a control freak and I just don't want to let go. And I see, you know, uh, stories of people, you know, throwing up in a bucket and, and just crazy. Th- I just, I, Oh, that's not with psilocybin, by the way. Probably. Which, which one's that something one? Else. Is well, that something? The, the, lot of, the lot of throwing up is with plant medicines or animal medicines. Yeah. Okay. The fungal, the fungal medicines aren't, aren't, you know, psilocybin isn't as pukey as those. So. All right. So you don't throw up on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is good because <laughs> you're, you're getting a guy like, like Tim Ferriss, loves this world, is in this world and is donating money in this world. Like he loves it. I am completely an idiot. And like, I know nothing about this except there's a bunch of girls I know in LA with big hats that are like, oh my God, I just got back from a, a psilocybin. You know what I mean? And I'm like, why, 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 why are you doing this? So what's going on with this resurgence of it. Let, let, let me start with that question. Let's, what's going on with the resurgence of it? So I think we have to cycle back a little bit, maybe a few hundreds or even thousands of years. And what we know is that psilocybe, the, the type of mushroom that is now being commonly used in the psychedelic renaissance, is a, is a, is a type of mushroom that has been around longer than humans have been around on earth. That's one thing. They have been used by different cultures in different parts of the world from as far back as we have knowledge of existence. And what we're normally working with today or seeing today is a use known from the the Mazatec cultures from central, from Mexico uh, or from, or, or cultures from you know, Mesoamerica, Guatemala, Mexico, other places. These, they are medicines there. They were not used to find God. They were used to heal specific ailments or to find lost objects or to sort out feuds. And they were not uh, medicines used to find enlightenment. Okay. That's, I think that's important to set out straight away. So what we're living today is a therapeutic application of an ancient medicine that was used for specific reasons. And that is still used, still used in Mazatec cultures um, for those specific reasons. You don't go to a, a, a mushroom ceremony to see what happens. You go because you have a problem. Okay. Now, so that's that's something that is really important to set out because what we're seeing in the Western world it, are two very different types of uses. One is what, for example, Tim Ferriss is supporting, which is the research in these um, mushrooms and and some other you know plants and fungi to heal specific trauma or depression, and that's somewhat similar to what we've seen in ancestral uses. But on the other hand, we also see a really large um, surge in re- recreational use. Now that recreational use is not an ancestral use of the fungus of the mushroom. 
You don't go out to party on mushrooms. You go to the mushrooms if you have a problem you need to solve. Health problem, spiritual problem, psychological problem, family problem. Why then is it evolving where people are not doing that? Is it just that people are taking their money and they're saying, hey, I'll take you on a, uh, a psilocybin ride? Or is it that they are going for a problem, but they're not really... Well, I guess what I'm trying to figure out is if they're going on a journey, is that the, is that the word that we're going to use? Yeah, okay. yeah journey is right. fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if they're going on a journey, what's the difference between finding enlightenment or going with a problem? In other words, if you go there for enlightenment and you discover something that was a, a block that you were unaware of, couldn't that be just the same? Is it semantics or is it really quite different? It's a, it's a very good question. It, it means the fact that you're not um, experiencing this journey in the controlled ceremonial setting doesn't mean that you will not find healing. What is different is the sacred because you can't separate these experiences from something very divine or sacred or very meaningful. And keeping it in a meaningful and sacred vibe is really important when working with these medicines. Yeah. Why? Because you are not in control. You are part of a system where there is a higher oneness and control and you, and you need to be able to see that or it can get you can it cannot be as pleasurable maybe i would say all right so let's let's say right there i want to drill down on that just a little bit when you say that you are part of a system does that mean that the that you by ingesting this that you are now starting to your body is now being incorporated into the fungi's system and they're taking over. No, this means that what happens when you ingest psychedelic mushrooms is that you more you even get to see in most cases that you are part of a larger oneness of in the world collectively in the world collectively in the world that you are part of whether you see it or not right but what these medicines do is that they really evidence in feeling and sometimes in vision that you are part of a greater one and that is extremely potent extremely potent okay being so, um, obviously you have had one of these journeys is that correct? Oh, I, I have. Yes. Okay. I have. All right. So it's a little bit like trying to describe to somebody what an apple tastes like. You know what I mean? Like it's like you got to just take a bite. So I've never done one of these journeys. So I've heard but, it. But, but wait, let me let me let me just say one thing there. It's not like eating an apple and taking a bite because most people can will will taste the apple in the same way, and apples have a similar taste. With these experiences, they're all different for each person. So it's not like it's not like taking a pill that will, you know, like a, an ibuprofen if you have a fever. And it will, what this does is take your fever down. No, this is a very deeply spiritual experience that is different for everyone, that has some things that are in common. One of the things that are very common 
is this description and feeling of being one with nature, one with existence, um, that is very, very potent for most people that experience these journeys. Okay. That's great. I, I, I thought everybody sort of went down. You know, if you and I go out for a glass of wine and we get a buzz, we have two, three glasses. It's not going to be that different, the high for me or you, you know, based on, you know, your physic, your, your physicality. It's kind of the same, right? You get, you have drank wine, you got a little buzz, but that's not what this is. This is individual. You're going to have a different experience. Everybody's going to have a different experience. Some things will be the same, but there's going to be some different experiences. Yes. So I've never done this before. So I don't know that I fully understand what you mean experientially about how you see that you are a, my word, a cog in this collective system. How, how do you, can you describe that a little bit more? Well, I think it's, it's basically evidence, it's evidence of what many, many people over different generations have talked about. You know, we're all part of a greater system. We're not, in the, we're not separate from what we eat. We're not separate from, you know, the trees that give us the oxygen we need to breathe. It's a greater understanding of a collectiveness, of a collective consciousness. That can be very logical. If you think about it, right, we're not separate from the food we eat. We can't live without our food. And, and the medicines all come from nature. So if we, you know, we're taking penicillin, it comes from a mold. Um, you know, you're taking statins to lower your cholesterol. It comes from a fungus. But you, you feel that. You embody it. Uh, I see. Mm. Do you think that everybody should do this? No, I don't. I don't think that everybody should do it. I don't. I don't uh, pretend to to um, think that anybody or everybody should do anything. No. Okay. The, re- the reason why yeah. I ask is because everybody's like, "Dude, you gotta, you gotta do this. It's unbelievable." So I'm like, "Do I?" <laughs> you don't do have I- to. No. Why should you? Not at all. Okay. You don't have to do anything. Right. Except for eat and drink water. You're right. Okay, what's happening in the body when you go on one of these journeys, like medically? So what we know uh, scientifically is that neuron pathways are being generated. The reason these, this medicine can heal trauma, for example, is that if I, for example, here, we're looking at a pen. I have a pen. If I have a trauma with this pen because somebody harmed me maybe when I was little with this, with a pen, and every time I look at a pen, I just freak out. Right? Yep. What yep. you can do in in ceremonies and in therapy with these with this medicine with psilocybin is reroute your neurological pathways to re re um, understand this pen. So you can work with somebody with a healer therapist, whatever you, shaman, whatever you want to call it, to, to reset what happens to you when you see a pen and for your immediate neurological pathway to be different to the one you've had before where it was pain, trauma, fear. That's what it can do. It can reroute the way your immediate connections in your brain go. And that's God, that was so well said. Now I'm getting a piece. I'm laying some new neural pathways myself here. I'm thinking about somebody in war Mm -hmm. where they have PTSD 
from fighting and they're waking up in the middle of the night and they're hearing, you know, every noise is a bomb or a gunshot or something. If you can re-represent what something is, then you could heal that loop, that neural pathway that is like Pavlov, ring the bell, salivate, ring the bell, you know what I mean? That wire that's on there. It's exactly what is happening. And it's exactly the reason why, for example, people like Tim Ferriss and others are supporting research with um, organizations like Johns Hopkins University and others um, who, who actually are making that happen. And it's not years and years and years of therapy it can even in some cases be one journey that can do that for you. So in a, let's just use the pen example. If you, if you were on a journey, would it be something if they were, you know, trying to do this little example that we're coming up with, would they be reconditioning you while you were on the meds saying, look at the pen and, and you're on it, you're in a different state. So you wire differently. Is that sort of like clinically how it goes down? There are different um, techniques. That is definitely one, um, maybe in a softer way. Uh, I'm not, a cl- I am not a, a clinician. I don't do that. But I, I, from what I know and I've researched and I've read, there are many ways to get to that same result, depending also on the level of trauma. Okay. Yeah, right. How, how hard you do wired not is. Want, yes. You do not want in any moment to, to, um, for it to be as traumatic as the event itself, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Switching gears. Let's talk about Jane Goodall. How did she come uh, into your life? How did that oh, woman come into your life? What a, what a force of nature. She was introduced to me by a, a Chilean um, philanthropist called Eduardo Ergas. Um, I was invited to dinner with her in, at his place, and we had a very immediate connection of working for organisms that were very under underestimated or you know un- unacknowledged, and also for being women in field you know, field science. Yeah. So what was it like? I mean, it's like meeting the Pope. What what She's was that? Amazing. I mean, I was a baby and remember watching. I'm fifty. I'll be fifty five next week. I remember being a kid and watching her on TV. Like she's still yeah. going. You know, for the first thing that was pretty pretty impressive was that she carries around like a, um, you know, like a a little chimp uh, toy. <laughs> Right. And I was like, oh, this is weird. Um, and she's always hugging this, you know, toy, like, a, like, you know, whoever, like somebody walking around with their teddy. I can't remember the name of it. It's got a name and everything. That was sort of first thing was like, oh, that's, that's weird. I wasn't expecting that. And, and I think the, the, the most impressive thing is how soft spoken, but forceful in nature she is. And also how available she was to say hello to everybody, to talk to everybody. And when it got to the point of um, presenting myself and, and, and talking about mushrooms and fungus, she was very, very fine-tuned into the difficulties that I was probably facing on my mission. So I was, I was really impressed by, by the level of knowledge and engagement. Yeah. Do, did you ever find out why she carries the little toy? 
There's a story. She's told it. I just don't remember it. Right. I think it was gifted to her by somebody. We have to find that out. All right, we're going to have um, to check. His name, is, his name is Mr. Something. It's Mr. And it's, the, you know, the toy has the name. Um, I think it remembers her. It reminds her. It always takes her back to those first chimpanzees that she helped or that she connected with. So there's some sort of connection to the, to the origin, to the essence. Um, yeah. So, okay, this is going to fall into the woo-woo weird question category. But do you think that your life in some way was preordained to do this? I don't, I, I think I, I, I do think this is what I was born for. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because very I much like it's, it's really hard to not, when you see somebody like Jane Goodall, it's really hard to yeah. not say you are somewhere in the universe and somebody went, mm-hmm. boom, you're going to be working with, you know, chimps and apes. Yeah. And like, she just came out that way. So, yeah. um, and, and for you, there's a similar vibe. So I was wondering what your take on it was. Yeah. I definitely think that, that this, this is what I was born to do. Yeah. How did you get, fungi recognized in the Chilean constitution, which is the general law for the basis of the environment, which is yeah. like the it's highest constitutional le- law. It's yeah. the highest legislative legislative level. How, how, did, how does that happen? It happens by strategy. Mm, so it's intentional. It happens, it's intentional. Absolutely. Um, I, I am very lucky to have been trained in um, marine conservation NGOs. So I, uh, while I was working for the fungi, but without being able to, you know, feed myself, I had, you know, like a day job. Um, and that was in NGOs working for, for marine habitats and the conservation of marine habitats. And there I learned a way of working to trigger inclusions in public policy. So I took that know-how and applied it to the fungi. What had happened was that there was an opening in the environmental law to modify different things. But when a law is open to modification, it's open to modification for everything. So I saw an opportunity. There was an opportunity to bring colleagues from other NGOs together and um, and use this, you know, this, this MO in a very clear strategy to pitch the inclusion of fungi in the legislation. And it's it amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. All right. So as we as we move into the uh, the latter half of the show, um, I'm going to ask you some questions that are going to fall into the, this is weird, why is he asking me these questions uh, category? So just roll with it if you could. But, be- but before I do, I got to tell you something really funny. So about five minutes, maybe 10 minutes before I um, got on with you, um, I said to my wife, you know, this is an old man thing, but I said to my wife, I was walking today in my shoes and I was like, my, my nail is just killing me. Can you do me a favor and cut it? Because when you get old, you need somebody to help you. Right. So she did, she goes, ew, like half your first, my my feet are disgusting, but she looks and she goes, half this nail is like, there's like these striations on it. So I was like, well, Google it. Am I dying? I don't know. So she types it in (laughs) and she like literally right before I hit record, she's uh, or connected with zoom. She said, you have a nail fungus. And I went, she put the hinky on me. The, no. fun, the, the fungus girl put the hinky on me. You've had that for a long time. If you can only, if you can see it now. Onychomycosis. Is that right. what it is? So, yeah. Yes, it is. And it's What's really going on? Good. 
what's basically going on is that with all the plastic shoe wear we're all using around the world, we've created like a little, you know, greenhouse for fungi to thrive on our feet. We're using shoes that don't have any, you know, ventilation. Um, we, our feet are always closed in, you know, sweaty, warm, humid systems. And that's just basically a place for fungi to thrive on. Yeah. Ew. So it's a fungus that lives um, on your toenails or nails. Many people in the world have them. They're very hard to get rid of. And I suggest you go see a dermatologist soon so that you a start. A derm treating. or a podiatrist or either? No, no, no derm. Derm is dermatologist. Yeah. All right. So yeah. now I got to go to so an Italian. Yeah, an Italian dermatologist. You this can is- get. Top, topic stuff, or maybe you need to just take something systemic. They are very tough, but fungi tend to thrive wherever they can. And the, just using, you know, these sneakers and any sort of these closed shoe wear constantly is perfect for them. Amazing. You're right. Fungi are freaking everywhere. They're literally yeah. in my toes right now. All <laughs> right. What is on your nightstand? I have stones and quartz crystals. Ooh. Is is that for decoration or does it have a spiritual significance? I really, really love stones and everything they hold. And wherever I go, I collect pebbles or stones. And people who know me very well normally give me just a pebble or a stone, even if it's from, you know, a, a river shore or lake shore. And... I, my, my nightstand is just basically full of stones and yeah, sometimes I find quartz crystals and they're there. Yeah. They, I think they're just my companions. I talk to them and <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. There. Next thing you know, we're going to yeah. have a little, we're going to have a little stone that you're going to be carrying around and petting it like a, <laughs> like a chimp. Uh, what do people often get wrong about you or your work? You know, I'm really, I'm, I'm sort of freaking out because I was in um, the Telluride Mushroom Festival a few weeks ago. And and even before that, and then a friend of mine came up to me, William Padilla Brown. He's a really well-known mycologist. Mycosymbiote is the name he goes by. And he said, Julie, like, I've got so many friends here and they're all really scared to come up and talk to you. It's like, why? And it's like, I don't know. They just, you know, I think people rubber intimidated in a way by me because of the Italianness and also because of the, you know, the, the force of my mission. And so people, many people get wrong about me is that maybe I'm sort of unaccessible and the people who know me a bit better know that there is no, there is no student email. I don't answer. I'm available for everybody. So people get that wrong. They confuse the passion with a wall. Yes. Got it. Um, what is one thing that you have not gotten to in your life? One thing specifically. And if you don't get to this thing, you're really going to have massive regret. Exercise. <laughs> Daily exercise. Why is it so hard for you? I just don't have time. Oh, come on. We make time for what's important. Yeah, right? So there you go. There's one thing I'll regret if I don't get to it. What is uh, what are some things that you're currently doing that you don't love? Like, I don't love doing this. And I really would like to be doing less of it. But right now I am. School meetings for my son. Mm. 
What is one rule that you have for yourself that you're never going to break? I won't break this rule. I will always be a good person. True to myself and to others, yeah. What new behavior or habit has most improved your life? Having fruit juice in the morning. Okay. Other than mushrooms and fungi, <laughs> what is an unusual, because this question really, you, like this, you know, if I didn't know this about you, this would be the answer. But what is an unusual or an absurd thing that you love? It's not absurd, but it's unusual. I really, really love incense. What is your, uh, what's your flavor of incense that you love the most? I don't think I've discovered it yet. And I can actually, I mean, just, just so that you can, I mean, people won't be able to see this, but I have like incense everywhere. I have baskets full of incenses from all over the world, all over my house. I love it everywhere. If you could spend one month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? I would like to go to see the Northern Lights in a place where I can see the narwhals. So I would go up to the Arctic and I would love to experience just sleeping outside, seeing the Northern Lights. I love that. Are there any positions or opinions in the last few years, or it could be way back, it doesn't have to be in the last few years, that you've changed your mind substantially or you've shifted and you say, you know, I used to think this way, but now I think this way. You know, to be honest, there must be some I that comes that comes to mind. Maybe it would be something related to maybe education systems. I think you know, I've I've changed I've changed a, a lot of my values around public education, and I I think I value public education more than I used to. Okay, we're gonna hit the rapid fire rounds now. You can answer as quickly or as slowly as you like. It's basically a first thing that comes to mind. Oh, dear. Okay. What would your friends say is one of your superpowers? My memory. What keeps you up at night? The fungi. What do people never ask you, but you wish they did? Want to go out tonight? (laughs) (laughs) What's the one thing that you want to get better at? Resting. What book have you reread the most? Entangled Life by Merlin Sheldrake. Mm. What's your guilty pleasure? It's between gin and chocolate. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. All right, last question. We're going to change it up a little bit. What one question would you like to ask me? What do you love about fungi? What do I love about fungi? I love, I can't tell you what I love about fungi right now. What I can tell you is that my, you have opened my brain up to realize that it's everywhere, that it is a living organism, not just some weird black thing that's on my toe or some, or some, <laughs> you know, uh, mushroom porcini that's in my pasta, but it is actually living. When I'm walking through the, I don't know, forest or whatever, and I look down and I see these things, I used to, sorry, don't shoot the messenger, but I used to look at them and go, oh God, they're gross. Why are they climbing up this tree? It's This tree is beautiful and this nasty stuff. But what you taught me was that if we didn't have that, then the tree wouldn't be there. 
So we have to have that. So what I love is that everything else I love in the world wouldn't be there if it were not for them. Perfect. How about that? Perfect. Well, this was absolutely awesome. Do you have any final words, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? I think I I would actually, what I'd love for everybody to take a minute, you know, every single day of their life to acknowledge that when they're using detergents to wash their clothes in cold water, there are fungal enzymes in that detergent. Every time that you eat bread, you have to thank the fungi because yeasts are there. Every beer, every wine, every time you take antibiotics, take a moment to find out how important they are in your everyday life. And you'll probably realize that you are consuming and or depending on them at least a dozen times a day, every day of your life. So say their name and be grateful to them. Juliana, this was awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. (laughs) Thank you, Rob. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.